Welcome to Ukulele is a New Black. I'm Meredith Harper and I love to play the ukulele. In this podcast, I talk to ukulele players to find out why they play the ukulele, what they love about it and how it's changed their lives. I wanted to play an instrument because musicians are so cool and I wanted to be cool. But I found in April this year, I spent two weeks in Hawaii. It was my first trip there and I absolutely loved it. One of the highlights of the trip was my visit to the Koaloha factory. They do a factory tour every day and I did that first. And then I had a chat to Alan and Paul Okami, who are the president and vice president of Koaloha. We had a fantastic chat and I learned a lot about Hawaii and about ukulele and they were just really fun guys. I just loved it. Um, Oh, and I also bought the ukulele of my dreams. I hope you enjoy the episode. Everybody's playing it. It's the new black ukulele players. Introduce yourselves. Uh, so my name is Paul, and I'm uh, one of the head builders, and I oversee the shop here at Koaloha Ukulele. Oh, he's, he's just being modest. He's, he's one of the sons of the Koaloha king here. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that. My dad is our ruler. Um, so I'm Alan. I'm um, president of the company. Um, I do... You know, whatever whatever we need. Right now, I'm working post production. I help out with the stringing. Um, then sometimes I'm here up in the office. Um, I have the glorious and wonderful responsibility of paying all our bills. Um, when I get to have fun, I get to help plan out and execute a lot of our engagements. Um, some of which have been in Australia. We've We've gotten out to the Kanzukulada Festival. We've worked with them for a number of years. Okay. Great time, meeting a lot of good people. We did a bunch of builds there too, right? Yep. So I think we did three or four different builds where three. the participants three, yeah. get to actually make their own koalaho kulala. Oh, and that's that that's such a fun. whole bunch of fun. Yeah. And we've made so many friends like during the, just the course of those few days because... You know, we spend all day with each other, and we're getting dirty and sanding wood and gluing stuff together. Oh, that would be excellent. It, it's fun. It's it's so much fun. And Australia functions in um, metric <clears throat> as well as US yes. uh, measurements, which really helped a lot when I was looking for stuff at the store. <laughs> yeah, like when they say, "Oh, it's about three miles away," and we say, "What? You know what? You know what mine is? <laughs> I love these people." <laughs> Yeah, we've we've also been um, we've been fortunate enough to send artists out to the Blue Mountain Ukulele Festival. Oh yes, well I've been there the last uh, two years. Oh nice. Okay. Oh, oh there's so, always one person who doesn't turn off their phone. Yeah, there we so, go. There we go. <laughs> I think we've we've been getting out there for maybe three four years now. Yeah. And hopefully I'll be able to make this next one coming up in February. We're we're sending up a duo, Simple Souls. Mm-hmm. Um, it's these two two young ladies. Um, but it sounds like more than two people are playing. Oh, Phenomenal nice. musicians, really fun and engaging. So, uh, yeah, I don't need an excuse to get back to Oz. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an awesome place. So, Ellen, you, you told me you have the, the fun job of paying the bills. Yes. And I'll just point out now, I'm helping you with that because I've just purchased that ukulele. Yes, you have. Um, I, I was this in, puts food on the table. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the showroom and there was up on the highest shelf, I looked at it and thought, oh. That one looks nice, and I pulled it down, and I played it, and I just thought, oh, it, it, it chose me. 
I, I had no choice. I had to buy it because it said, take me home. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you'll be noodling away on that while we talk, which yeah. is which is fine. Everyone can appreciate the wonderful sound. And hopefully when I play it, it'll sound <laughs> a bit I, like that. It'll probably sound even better. <laughs> you know, I, I get paid to pay bills. Yeah. You know, so no one, no, I haven't been hired recently or ever. To actually play it for someone and get paid. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, no one's ever paid me. <laughs> I just turn uh, up and play. Well, look, look, I was doing in your showroom for about half an hour. Oh wow! Well, I had to try oh, it out. Yeah. I couldn't just buy it without getting yeah. a call. Yeah. Oh, that was you playing because I heard somebody playing music. Yeah, that was me. And I was, was kind of enjoying saying, you know, what? like um, when you hear someone come and, and spend time with us, and they play the ukulele that much, we don't. I mean, sure, we love a sale, but it's, you know, we as builders, it speaks to us in a different way. And it, it tells us this person's really enjoying, like, the fruit of our land, the fruit of our labor, rather, you know. And that is, oh, damn, I'm getting a little emotional. Um, that's probably the greatest reward that we could have. It's, it's not something we can ask for. You can't ask someone, hey, can you please uh, love our stuff? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it either happens or it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we're not the choice, but sometimes we are. And when I heard you playing away, um, I was back in the stringing room and I didn't know it was you. I said, someone's having a ball. <laughs> that was me. And that is so incredibly rewarding. But it was it was really nice actually to be able to play it that much before I bought it too because you 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 need to get a good a good feel for the instrument before you do and the fact that no one minded me doing it helped. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, so one of the things that um, a lot of times a, a customer who's new to the instrument or new to music will come in and they'll ask me to pick an ukulele for them and it's kind of funny. So what I'll do is I'll actually teach them like three chords, right? And I tell them just play the instruments because. Ultimately, I'm not the person that's going to be playing at your home. It's going to be you, right? That's you right. Know? And yeah. it should be you. It should be the person who's going to uh, purchase the instrument that, that picks it up for themselves. Because, you know, a lot of beginners are kind of intimidated and they think, oh, well, you know, I don't know what I'm doing and, you know, I can't even play a chord. But still, I mean, it should feel comfortable. It should sound right, you know. And like you said, the instruments should speak to you. Yeah. And that's the one that you should you should get rather yeah. than, you know, have, have a... You know, I wouldn't call myself a pro, but a pro, you know, I'm playing anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. So tell me your, a bit of your history of, of um, so is this, it's a family business? Yes. So when did it start? So dad started building in 1995 um, and actually shoots it. I wish we brought it up. I mean, you couldn't see it, but I could, I could have strummed the, the little mini ukulele that I Oh, made. okay. Um, and dad <laughs> actually made, so it was a five-inch ukulele. That is uh, small. Entirely to scale. So the frets were all... Um, in tune, yeah. Um, he actually fashioned his own little mini tuners out of jewelry parts, um, and so he built the machines to build we, the parts. We swore he was insane. Was yeah, we still yeah, do. Yeah, I would probably um, be saying the same thing. But that's amazing. But do you need teeny tiny little fingers to play it? You do. You do. You do. So, so it's, dad, it's not that easy to play. Um, um, yeah, and so you probably won't spend half an hour yeah. playing that. I have trouble dad. playing a soprano, yeah. let alone. A but dad could actually play. I think it was uh, three songs on it. Um, and all, you know, chords, like bar chords, but he actually yes. could play um, so Jingle Bell Rock and a Hawaiian melody called Hilo March. Okay. Um, and in 1995, 
he actually played two songs live on the stage at the ukulele festival in Kapiolani Park. Wow. Yeah, and, and that's how we got Did anyone actually see it? No, and that was the funny thing. So everybody could hear it out of the speakers, right? But everybody's staring at the stage and they just see this. So here's this, this guy touching his thumb. Where, where is like, that sound coming from? <laughs> this man's touching his stomach or belly button. <laughs> it must be itchy. Yeah. Coming out. Uh. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so, um, so when did you start working in the business? Uh, from the beginning. So yeah. um, Alan was with my dad or our dad before. Um, and prior to ukulele, uh, he actually used to... F- so dad originally was a musician uh, by trade and by schooling. And um, he left the music scene when I was really young. I was three years old, I believe. Um, and that that is not a um, typical type of person. So, you know, most people, if they say, you know, I'm going to quit music, they'll go maybe work at a bank or, you know, I mean, do a job that exists. And that's it. Nah, I think I'm going to make a shop in my garage and do something that I've never done before and make uh, custom acrylic uh, fabricated products. <laughs> so It's and, the obvious choice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, no experience, never did it before, don't have a clue how to work the material. Oh, you know what? I'll just go spend the rest of our savings and buy some tools and set up shop. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> and under stone number 9,657, it makes a credit fabrication. <laughs> and so Dad did that for a number of years. Um, uh, we're actually nine years apart, so um, I was still very young. And then when my brother was in high school, he actually started uh, working with Dad between classes. Um, and it was my senior year in high school when Dad started. Um, he, he took a turn again and said, hey, you know what? Um, yeah, now I'm going to make a little <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's more in keeping with the original career. Yeah, and, and it's kind of it's kind of cool because he he came you know full circle and you know started in music. I mean, got his uh, hands dirty, you know, doing fabrication and, and gaining experience on how to how to build things, right? And you know, figuring things out along the way. Um, and yeah, in '95 he decided uh, he's going to build ukulele. But you know, again, that is a very unique person. And rather than build a normal size ukulele, he built those minis. I talked about. <laughs> Oh, so it wasn't just one. It wasn't just like a, it, it was lots of them. Yeah, he, he oh, actually was right. in production of. Oh, actually, okay. happened in '94 because '94 I had to run the business myself <laughs> while he was making these. Um, for you listeners out there, I'm making quote marks with my fingers. This new project, um, which started with the mini ukulele, and we found out real fast that a handcrafted ukulele at the time. That was miniature, five five and a half inches in length. Was this fifteen centimeters, maybe? Um, at three hundred dollars, three hundred fifty dollars retail, it doesn't really matter that you can tune it and play it. It's quite a There's lot. There's not though. a lot of customers for no, for that. Right. Not a lot of people that big. Except the really teeny tiny people with yeah, teeny tiny are, fingers. But there the, aren't that many of those. Yes, we haven't <laughs> located that remote village yet. So. <laughs> Um, so dad uh, was kind of being urged by my mom and some others close friends that um, you know if you can make the mini one why don't you make you know real like full size ones and And if you haven't if we haven't painted a picture of dad yet his initial reaction was nope (laughs) everyone does that And but then, obviously she convinced him eventually. And then, yeah. that's that just that started everything. And um, <clears throat> we introduced the instrument, the, the miniature one, in the ukulele festival in 1995, as my brother mentioned. 
And from then, it's you know been no looking back. Met a lot of great people. We continue to meet awesome people, and it's such a happy business that it almost doesn't feel like work. Well, that's you know? that's the ideal business, isn't it? Really, that's what you want. I mean, we almost feel like we get paid. <laughs> so, so you almost get paid. <laughs> when you're paying those bills, you forget to pay the most important ones. You got a whole lot of love going on. <laughs> so, as before we started recording, I said I want you both to play something, and you both said, "No, we don't play." <laughs> you do play a little. Do some noodling. Yeah, do, do a bit more noodling. Just you're just holding my ukulele. I want you to play it. Um, I'll just play with you guys yeah. chat then that way it'll, yeah. it won't expose my flaws and <laughs> but I assume you, you obviously learned to play at some point yeah I mean so um, funny thing is so I, my, my parents sent me to a, um, a college prep private school um, one of the, the more expensive ones here and um, you know ideally for mom her dream was for me to go to college and, and you know become have a, a, a white collar professional career and um, I just I was always good in school, but I never liked school. So um, I really didn't want to go to college, mm. and I, I had no intentions to. Um, and that's that's kind of uh, yeah, I'm not trying to go too much off topic. No, but, no, like, um, go, go as far off as you want. Yeah, okay. It's, well, it's a podcast. <laughs> okay. No one ever sticks yeah, to topic. So, um, I went for my first semester uh, here at the local uh, University of Hawaii, and uh, basically my mom duped me into going because she said. You know, I really want you to go to college, so I'll, I'll pay for it if you go. So I said, okay, sure. So I registered, we paid, did all my, you know, uh, registration, paid for my tuition, bought all my books, and then said, okay, mom, um, so I'm registered, you're going to pay me back? She said, oh, um, yeah, you know what, we're, we're having a hard time this this uh, this year, so I'll, I'll, I'll get you next time. So fool me once, right? Mom fooled me three times. <laughs> but it kind of worked out because that's when dad... Um, started building a full-size ukulele um, yep. and you know, I was always here during the summers and school breaks helping and um, as I started building I, I fell in love with it and you know I had I was going to college just to, to make mom happy and I you know I found something that I loved doing and I could see myself doing for for the rest of my life so um, I talked to my brother and my my uh, dad and I told them you know if we stop doing the acrylic mm-hmm. fabrication and we go full steam with the ukulele I'll leave school you know Deal with mom later, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave college, I'll drop out, and I'll just, I'll come, you know, the three of us who start this business together. And so that's kind of how we started. Um, and at the same time, um, there was a band here in Hawaii called the Ka'o Crater Boys, um, and they played um, kind of like a mix of, of contemporary songs and Hawaiian, but um, the, the ukulele stylings of, of the ukulele player were just really, really unique and very popular. And so good friend in school um, played a lot so I, I, that's when I started to play yep. so um, and then that was uh, 25 26 years ago yeah Yeah. and I haven't practiced in maybe about 10 to 15 yeah. years <laughs> so, so to answer the question <laughs> yes at some point I did but you've kind of forgotten how now I yeah it um, you must play them a bit though obviously just to yeah, test for, for just quality control yeah, yeah. And, and so forth yeah, yeah. yeah but I, I'm, I'm like that um, can, I don't you know, you, can you still play Molaganya? I cannot I tried Okay. Yeah, I forgot it. What can you play now? Really, I can sh- I can strum like a few chords. <laughs> give us a sample. <laughs> <laughs> give us a sample. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna play the um, 
So this is the chord I teach to beginners, mm -hmm. and this is the chord that I teach to them both because it's easy and I can still play it and name it. So this is the C chord, everybody. It's great. That's the best chord I've ever heard. I mean, it's all in the execution. But can you do a C7? I can do a C7. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's impressive. That's two chords. Yeah, yeah so look, he's an expert. Yeah. He's an expert. But yeah, so I, I don't, I don't. If, if nobody's, I'm like that frog. I don't know if you had Looney Tunes in, in Australia. Hey, baby. That little frog, you know, yeah, nobody's around. He says he's a rock star, and then there's people around. He's ribbit. <laughs> but yeah. Actually, Paul's uh, Paul's more of a hula dancer. So sometimes when we travel, we do get the unfortunate stage call, and I'll uh, sing Hawaiian. Paul will dance. And if they want more than two songs, we're out of luck. <laughs> <laughs> you always leave them wanting more. That's what you said. You know, yeah. we leave them wanting much more. <laughs> so the term in, uh, for encore in Hawaiian is hanaho. Um, and so if we get hanaho past our second song, again, you know, people think we're being humble or like, no, we really, it's, yeah. it literally stops at two for us. I mean, he, he dances more than two songs, but as far as what we both what we know, can both yeah. are, are, are it's, combined, it's our, our well, what are the two songs? Uh, he Ui and Hulu Palakua. Because I, I don't know them, but yeah. I, I, have a, I have a friend who would. Oh, okay. <laughs> he knows I, a lot of our music. I actually there. like, um, I like to sing rock, modern rock. But and there's no not too one, many hula's for that. Yeah, not too many hula's. <laughs> and not too many ukulele players that, that can accompany me, you know, to sing sing stuff like Song Garden and Well that's the kind of thing know. I play. I like to play the yeah. things that people aren't don't normally play. Yeah. Yeah. If, I don't know if you're listening to actually if you can and, and it's what, it's what I personally enjoy too. Yeah. Yeah. My not. voice is a little growly, so Ah, so you can yeah. go for those kind of you know yeah. kind of You want a sample? Yeah, yeah. Uh <clears throat> In your house, I long to be row by row, patiently. I wait for you there, like a stone. I wait for you there, alone. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but now you just you gotta know, play it on there at the same time. Nobody wants to hear that from Hawaiian guys. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying to me before, you know, if you didn't live here, you'd move to Australia, then you'd be able to do that. Yeah, I would. Yeah. You know, that's more compelling reason. That <laughs> along with meat pies. But do Hawaiians so. not not play things anything that's not Hawaiian music. They must um, do. I think you know a lot of a lot of our artists get an opportunity to travel and perform predominantly when there's a Hawaiian call, when there's a Hawaiian event. Um, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because it's where the Hawaiian culture originates from. So a lot of them do actually like to play other genres, but it's not. there's not, a, I would say, a particular high demand for a Hawaiian artist to go up and do like a jazz festival or yeah. a samba. or yeah. Not to say that they can't, but they're they're not generally not recognized as you know an artist that'll that'll perform in that genre. So yeah, that's a shame, really. It's it's. I mean, obviously, it's, it's important for it's, the Hawaiian stuff to still be there, but it'd be nice. It's to It's kind have of a like a play. tricky place to be in because, um, by blood quotient, the the native Hawaiians or the Kanaka, there aren't many 
100% pure Hawaiians now. I think, if I'm not mistaken, census says by 2042, there will be no 100% Hawaiians anymore. Wow. So part of the uh, the performing is also connected to perpetuation of yeah, the culture. That's right. Yeah, but it's true. Their your arts and your language, you know, the culture does live on. Mm. So it's it's a it's a tricky balance because yeah. you know we like to be proud of where we come from and what oh, we have to share. You, you should be. Yeah. And yet, you know, when you factor in maybe exploring or expanding genres, it's it's it could be a little touchy. You know, not, I don't mean to sound real political, but. It's it's a tricky balance to maintain. Well, I mean, I'll so say it gets tricky because you know it's definitely important to preserve the culture, you know, and, and that that aspect is definitely important. But cultures evolve, right? And you know, there's this. I find that people will often take a side, one or the other, and kind of it's hard to reach that middle ground of acceptance, right? Where you know, I mean. Really, even modern Hawaiian music, what it is considered like the traditional, um, you know, that that was definitely um, influenced by, by Western influence, mm. and, and they weren't playing ukulele and guitars and, and singing three part harmonies prior to Western context. Well, no, right? of course not, because I didn't. And yes, it's it's today it's accepted as traditional, you know, yeah. and so if we took such a, a a rigid approach to protecting what is quote unquote traditional, I mean. No culture would ever evolve, no culture would ever advance, no culture would ever change. But at the same time, you know, there's that question of at what point does this become separate or different from our, yeah. our, our culture, you know? And I think in navigating that issue, it's it's just hard where people will, will be very... Like, are we detaching ourselves too far from honoring the past? Yeah, I guess and, it's... You know, are we allowing ourselves to evolve? Because yeah. even for, for, you know, us as, as builders, um, I, I love Koa, and Koa is to date my favorite wood to work with. But it, the sound, the look, I mean, I love Koa ukulele, you know. And, Yours is Koa, by the way. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I'm, I made sure of that. That's one of the things I really wanted. Yeah, yeah. when why come to Hawaii and not buy Koa? Well, see, that's the thing. Yeah. See, so that's the thing. So, um, we as builders actually get kind of pigeonholed into using exclusively Koa for our main product production line. And um, because we're a, a builder from Hawaii, you know, people want it to be out of core, and we've tried uh, mahogany, and they sound great. You know, uh, my, but, my other ukulele is okay, mahogany. right? And yeah. they, they sound Beautiful. terrific. You know, but um, mahogany looks a little more plain, and you know, being that we're based out of Hawaii, people are like, oh, uh, uh, you know, and you have um, a coal one. Yeah. <laughs> mango is really popular as well. Oh, um, mango is a little more. You know, and mango is not a wood that's native um, to here, but. Uh, was introduced many many years ago and there's I mean tons of mango trees mm. um, you know but um, mango's a bit hard to get because it's not a tree that naturally occurs in the forest like koa so right. um, the only time we get mango is I mean literally when a guy knows a guy who knows a guy who I know and he's like hey you know this guy like seven yeah, 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 yeah exactly yeah, so yeah <laughs> but it's, it's kind of interesting you know because um, I'll continue to use koa in, in our product line for as long as we can get it but it's just a little interesting and maybe a little concerning that, you know, koa is not an infinite resource. And, um, you know, when that day comes, I mean, we'll have no choice. But as far as our ability to, to move product to people is, you know, will, will it be accepted, you know? Yeah. So it's just... No, it's all evolution, really, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
here because I mean, there's only so much of it as you say. Because yeah. yeah. uh, I know there's issues now with with rosewood exporting it. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, so we could, we could do like a whole podcast just on yeah. it. Yeah. Horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Rosewood itself is beautiful. The circumstances surrounding it is oh, horrible. Mm. Yes, if you'll notice, um, yours has an ebony fretboard and bridge. Yeah. Um, we actually, so right before the regulations uh, changed for Rosewood, we it hadn't even been two years. So we actually started by doing, um, our original ukuleles were all core. Um, the tops were all one piece. The sides were one piece with the joint hidden under the neck. Oh, okay. um, the back was one solid piece. Right. Uh, the neck was all core. Um, and our fretboards and our bridges, so our bracings, everything. So when we first started, like every, uh, so short of the frets and the strings and you know the yeah, hardware. It's, it's really hard to make color strings. Yeah, never <laughs> got there. We yet. haven't found how to do it. We're right on the verge of it. But, um, but if you can make a five-inch, oh yeah. But we um, and so our fretboards were cool for the longest time, um, and we just made the switch to rosewood. Thinking, hey, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna upgrade our, our fretboard and our bridge, and you know, kind of be um, on par with the rest of the industry. And you know, it was, it was cool to be unique, and, and a lot of people love that. But um, you know, I, I like the sound durability of Rosewood, mm-hmm. and and I think it's just more consistent than, than the tone that you get from a core fretboard. So um, you know, we we went ahead, we made the change. I got all my my supply, you know, inroads and everything, and then um, yeah, not even two years later, it's like, oh, guess what? You're gonna need a permit for every piece that you process. Mm. Um, I don't I mean, want to do that. Yeah, I mean that wasn't crippling. You know, <laughs> operating with 15.15.15 percent of our income from January through April. Oh, so it's not that we couldn't. We couldn't yeah. You know, it's not that we couldn't dark instruments, but we couldn't. Um, so not only our ability to directly export, but we didn't realize how um, even like little shops are. Are worldwide now, you know, because of the internet and, and yeah. you know, I mean, commerce. So, what's you know, um, the best part, Meredith? Mm-hmm. Can I get a little political here? Sure. Oh, Rosewood's sustainable. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a viable industry, <laughs> and I, the ones I, I I personally really feel sorry for is those in East India because mm. we just took away their livelihood. Yeah. And they have a sustainable industry in forest there. Yeah, which is kind of the ones we well, should you know be. What? I mean, yeah. So all I'll say, without getting too poking the political sleeping bear too much, is um, <laughs> the thing is with with you know different le- like new legislation and you know and obviously conserving and, and protecting and sustainability are, are things that we should all be looking at. You know, and I mean it benefits everyone. But blanket laws are probably like the worst thing you can do to. To, to any situation, making something illegal or imposing a restriction on something doesn't make people obey the law, right? It's like Absolutely. Yeah. telling your child, don't do that, does not make them not do it <laughs> simply because you said not to do it. Yeah. Or if, even if you say, well, if you do that, you're going to get a spanking or you're going to go sit in the corner, right? They're still going to do it. They're just going to do right? it. You've got to figure out... Yeah, you gotta figure out <laughs> How to make your kid not want to do that, right? And, you know, so blanket laws, I think, aren't the best way to, to enact any type of change, you know, because it, it certainly hasn't stopped other countries who don't care about laws and conservation from acquiring rosewood and um, mahogany and, you know, different different species of woods that are on, on those watch lists. So, in there, you can go back to sleep, political bear. <laughs> 
bear. Wake the bear. And bear me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> All right. Well, every time I do this podcast, there's always one last question I ask. And I, I think your answer might be different to my normal um, guests. But, um, so um, how has ukulele changed your life? Oh, it's made it worse. No. <laughs> Excellent. I've been um, waiting for someone to say that. Oh, well, I guess I'll go first. So for me, um, I don't even know where to start. You know, I... So I didn't want to go to school, and I, you know, had I continued, I probably wanted to stay in, in the biology field, so either medicine or um, maybe doing research for, uh, you know, um, genetic research. But um, I, I really also didn't. Is that myself. so that your cure for cancer can be suppressed by a large pharmaceutical? But I also, you know, understood that. It's a lot more school that you need to go to to become a doctor and the internship, oh, yeah. and, and I also couldn't see myself going through that, you know. And so I, I really wasn't sure what I was gonna do because um, I just I didn't want to go to more school to go to more school yeah. and then train and then get a job, you know. So um, when I decided to come and and um, you know, Dad, my brother, and I, the three of us started started Koaloha. Um, I don't want to say it's where my life began, but yeah, as far as my adult life, I mean that that's really where my adult life began, and then you know, I got to start my career in something, doing that I love with my family. Um, we grew together as as you know, a company as individuals as builders, and um, actually met my wife here. Because one of the things that kind of bummed me out about <clears throat> bummed me out about leaving school was um, we don't get a lot of um, you know, college women come here. And so, you know, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. The, the, um, the grazing fields for me, uh, <laughs> hooking up with the meat, were, were very, uh, very slim in, in picking. So I actually used to get bummed out because I used to tell my brother, like, man, I don't think I'll ever get a girlfriend, get married working here. Because, I mean, just, you know, nobody, we, we didn't get a lot of customers at the time, too. And um, at, at that age, I was actually pretty shy, pretty introverted. And, um all of my friends are away at school and so I didn't go out on the weekends or at night so basically I would like eat, sleep, work mm. um, but yeah one day my wife came or my wife now you know yep. and I, I met her so um, your wife now you get something yeah. else my, my current but yeah so I mean for me it, it, it changed my life you know and, and for the better and I'm, I'm glad that it's something um, that found me I guess you know yeah, yeah. interesting <clears throat> Well, there's. I think with my answer, you you get a good glimpse into why these guys tease me and call me Yoda, and they also call me Confucius at times. Um, I think I largely remain the same. Um, like a lot of friends that I see from maybe twenty, thirty years ago. Oh, I just dated myself. Um, I I'm not sure if it's a compliment or. What? They always tell me, oh my god, you, you haven't changed. Um, so in terms of change, I kind of look at ukulele as an opportunity for myself, my family, uh, all the people that work here to actually help impact. I, I don't know if I want to say changes. It's kind of a strong word. It is a strong word. <laughs> you know, yeah. But to be able to have an impact on the world around us the people that we work with, the people that we befriend in a very positive fashion. <clears throat> so 
more than how it's changed me, I think it's an opportunity for us to have impact. And it's, it's a really, it's a thing that I both revere and take very seriously, but also kind of enamored with it at the same time. To think that maybe, you know, just a slight possibility that we could make someone happy. Well, you made me happy today. And that's the best. (laughs) That is absolutely the best. It makes this very fulfilling. Fantastic. Acceptable answer? I love that answer. Was it different like you expected? Look, and it's funny, I asked that question of everybody and they all have a totally different answer, which which is which is which is why I ask it. I thought we were gonna be special. (laughs) (laughs) But no one has had that answer. (laughs) Well thank you both for for talking to me today. Thank you for spending time and taking one of our babies home. (laughs) It's been an absolute pleasure. Seeing as Alan and Paul didn't play you a song, I figured I should play one on my new Koaloha ukulele. While I was in Hawaii, I spent a lot of time listening to Jonathan Colton's new album, Some Guys. In the album, he covers a heap of 70s soft rock songs, but he doesn't just cover them, he actually does exact reproductions. It's an amazing album. And because I was listening to that so much in Hawaii, I thought, well, I'll play one of those songs for you on my new ukulele. Now, of course, mine is not an exact reproduction, but hang around till after the credits and I'll play it for you. I hope you enjoy. Every podcaster reaches a point where they need a little financial help, and that's where I am now, so I've started a Patreon. This will help me cover expenses like hosting the podcast and paying for the licensed, which ensures that all the music played on the podcast is legal. Above all, though, your support lets me know that you value the show and that it's worth all the time and effort it takes me to make it. All my monthly supporters will receive an exclusive ukulele as a new black decal. They look great on your ukulele case and you can't get them anywhere except via Patreon. These are not on any of my online stores. You can only get them directly from me if you're one of my patrons. If you donate a bit more, you can get your name in the show notes, like Debbie Hode, who was my first one. Or you could even get me to play a ukulele cover of the song of your choice if you pay me enough, which may be a mixed blessing. Just go to patreon.com slash ukulele is the new black to find out more and to sign up. Thank you. Ukulele is the New Black is produced by me, Meredith Harper. I wrote the theme tune and it was performed by me, Jasmine Fellows, Jeff Skellums and Jim Croft. Seb Carrero does all the graphic design. Episodes are released every second Monday and you can subscribe on iTunes or pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. If you like the podcast, subscribe and tell your friends. Or send me a message, I love to get emails. If you want to see the 5-inch ukulele in action... I've got a short video of Paul playing it. It's on the YouTube playlist for this episode, along with all the other songs mentioned and the Looney Tunes frog. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Everybody's playing it. Because it's the new black.
I could read your mind, love What a tale your thoughts could tell Just like a paperback novel The kind that drugstores sell When you reach the part Where the heartaches come The hero will be me But heroes often fail And you won't read that book again Cause the ending's just too hard to take I'd walk away Like a movie star Who gets burned in a three-way script Enter number two A movie queen to play the scene Of bringing all the good things out in me but for now, love, let's be real I never thought I could act this way And I got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we went wrong But the feeling's gone and I just can't get it back If you could read my mind, love What a tale my thoughts could tell just like an old-time movie About a ghost from a wishing well In a castle dark Or a fortress strong With chains upon my feet But stories always end And if you read between the lines You'll know that I'm just trying to understand The feelings that you lack Never thought I could feel this way And I've got to say that I just don't get it I don't know where we 